This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. I want to invite you to go to the book of 1 Peter. We're going to be in Proverbs for most of the day today, but I want to start in 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to read three verses um, there. Thank you so much. And beginning in, in verse number 5, it says, Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a God that cares about what we are dealing with. And ultimately, God, you are, you are revealing yourself to us in your word in order to pull us from those things that would damage and destroy not only our relationship with you, but our relationship with each other as well. God, I pray that you would speak through this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's interesting how in a world full of selfies, there is a a God that's wanting to pull you away from your self-focus and place your focus where it belongs. There are 100 million selfies, I'm told, being taken in this very moment right now on the planet. Now, maybe that shocks you. Maybe you have a teenager and you're like, wow, I thought it'd be more. I, I don't know. But I mean, there, there are billions. I think actually this will be the first year we'll, we'll, we'll top a trillion selfies being taken. We just, there are constantly people taking pictures of themselves. Now, in and of itself, that's not necessarily evil, but I will tell you that the self-focus can often lead us to a, a life that's filled with the results of pride. C.S. Lewis said, and this is kind of where we're going with the series, so uh, I, I'm going to be, be going back to this most weeks, but pride is the seed and the source of every vice. So everything you're dealing with, it really can be rooted back to pride. And humility is the key to every virtue. We're going to be talking about these five virtues that, that are principles that are make it or break it. Um, and, and this is really the key. This is the one that, that everything hinges upon, and that is humility. See, Proverbs 21.4 says, A high look and a proud heart and even the plowing or the working of the wicked is sin. And so really the heart does matter. God does care what we're thinking in our heart. Now, maybe you're not like me, or maybe you are. Maybe, maybe you can raise your hand to say, hey, listen, there have been some times when I've struggled with pride. Pride is in my heart. How many of you would raise your hand, right? That's, that's all of us. And uh, I'm certainly preaching to myself. Who I'm really preaching to are the people who didn't raise their hand just now. <laughs> just kidding. Come on, sometimes I have to have fun, right? But... I want you to know that pride is a problem. Pride is a problem. And, and I think it's 
okay to kind of let the ear out of the room to say, hey, it's a problem with me as well. Now, pride is really the problem. This is what pride is. Pride is the problem we all face when we place ourselves in the driver's seat of life and we take credit for the things that God is doing through us. That's really what pride is. Pride is me saying it's me when really it was God. And so to illustrate this, I, I want to walk you through a very frustrating and dangerous experience I had recently. I was speaking out of town and, and uh, someone rented me a car and it was a compact car. And I was like, okay, I'm thankful for wheels. It doesn't matter, you know, what kind of car. And in fact, I if you put a gun to my head. I, I can't remember exactly what car it was. Uh, but it was a, a small four-door sedan, and, and I hopped in, I, I, I got on the freeway, I punched in, you know, put my phone on the, on the dash, punched in where I was going, and I, I was driving. I went, and I put on the cruise control, and I went around the first curve, and I was kind of a little bit close to the, to the edge, and the car turned the wheel by itself. I mean, I was holding onto the wheel, it turned it. Well, that was kind of weird, that kind of felt weird, right? And so I was going on a, on a straight stretch, and I thought, well, I, I, let me test this. And so I thought, well, if I needed to pull over for something, what would happen? And so I started to pull over, and all of a sudden, the car wouldn't let me. I mean, the, the whole thing's shaking. I'm like, whoa, this is, this is, you know, am I in control? Am I driving, or is this car driving? I don't know. At this point, I have no idea, right? And as crazy as that is, and finally I turn off the cruise control, I'm like, forget the cruise, man. I'm, I'm driving this thing. I, you know. But that's exactly the experience we have when we come into, when we come into the word of God and God says there's, there's two options on the shelf, pleasing God, pleasing self. And ultimately, you can be in the driver's seat or God can be in the driver's seat, but you don't both fit in the driver's seat. And so you can blare and sing the song, Jesus, take the wheel, as long as you want, but ultimately, pride doesn't want him to have the wheel. Pride doesn't want God to call the shots. In my life, in your life, that's just a reality. And so I hope that you'll have a readiness to hear uh, what the Bible says, because ultimately, I'm going to ask some questions as we, as we start because I want you to understand, listen, there's a level of pride in all of us. And so here are 10 questions. These are the top 10, and I'm just going to read them. And, and you listen and take an inventory uh, of your heart as I ask these questions. How do you know whether, whether or not you're prideful? You can't see it in yourself, so how can you take an inventory to see where you're at? Well, are you overly anxious? That's ultimately pride. Are you critical of others? That's the root of pride. Are you too insecure? That's ultimately, it's traced back to pride. Are you too quick to notice pride in others? <laughs> Maybe you're like, man, I know someone who's so prideful. They need this message. Friend, you need this message. I need this message, right? Let's stop looking at other people. Are you quick to justify the wrongs and weaknesses of others? Do you take advantage of God's grace or, 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 or just neglect God's grace or use it as a, as a way to sin? Do you, that's pride. Do you constantly seek the, approvals of other, the approval of others? That's pride. Do you believe you're worthless or unforgivable because of something you've done? Honestly, it's pride. Do you feel that your sinfulness is beyond the reach of God's grace? 
That's pride. And does a particular sin define you more than God's claims on your life? That's pride. Now, are you guys going to let me continue after that list? Okay, I mean, are, are we okay? Because, because ultimately, that's just the inventory. That's, that's us saying, okay, well, wait a second. Maybe I do have it. Now, how does God feel about it? Well, Proverbs 3.33 says this. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. And it says that he, he scorneth the scorners. But, and this is, this is where we're landing today, at the end of the message, we're going to talk about how he gives grace to the lowly. Is it lowly? That means short people? No, no. He gives grace. He gives grace to the anti. Literally, not, not just if you're an ant, right? It's the word anti in, in Hebrew. It, 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 anti means, um, means unfortunate or suffering or afflicted or needy. Anyone else needy in this room? Okay, like you need something? Listen, lowly, people who are willing to admit that they're wretched before God. You're like, oh, I'm, not, I'm needy. I'm not wretched, right? Well, again, pride. <laughs> and so Jeremiah... 49, man, he just nails it through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, he says, thy terribleness hath deceived thee. He's like, there's a bit of terribleness in all of us, and it's deceived us. How has it deceived us? From a prideful heart, the pride in thine heart. Now, I grew up in Iowa, and in in our backyard, there were several apple trees. And, um, and, you know, you'd be outside playing or whatever, and you say, oh, the apples are ripe. You go over the tree, you pick an apple and eat it. You know, oh, it's great. But every once in a while, you'd bite into the apple, and you'd be like, ah, but you split it, spit it out. Why? Because, you know, there was something going on in the apple that you couldn't eat. Now, this is a worm crawling out of an apple. You know what's worse than a worm in an apple? A half a worm in an apple. All right, because that means, you know, maybe, maybe you bit the other half. Anyway, I think you get it. If you have to explain the joke, it's bad. So let me ask you something. How did that worm get in that apple? Didn't bore its way in. In fact, the blossom, when you see those flowers on fruit trees, the egg is laid inside the blossom. And the egg is put in the blossom, and then the blossom wraps up, and it creates the seeds and the fruit, right? And that egg hatches in the core of the apple. No no one's going to eat apples after I'm finished, okay? I'll just warn you, okay? The, the, The egg blossoms until the worm is strong enough, big enough to bore its way out of the apple. It is born in the core of the apple. Now, let me tell you something far more disturbing than that, them, look at them apples, right? (laughs) Something more disturbing than that is that David said, in sin did my mother conceive me, meaning the very core of who you are, if you are not a Christian, right? If you are not a a child of God, the very core of who you are is sin, is, is pride, right? The, the difference is the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your core changes. You can't see it. You maybe even didn't feel it, but there's something inside. You are made a new creation. Your core is completely clean, all right? Once, you are, once you've been set apart, okay, you are now God's child. It now means, okay, the core is gone, 
but the the worm's still there. <laughs> and it's trying to get back into where it came out of. And I'm telling you, the worm of pride is trying to destroy your marriage, your relationship with God, your relationship with others. It absolutely is. And I will tell you that the word of God warns us over and over and over again about the fact that our old nature, our, our, our fleshly desires, the desires that, that, that one day will be sanctified, that one day will be completely clean, but they aren't yet. That that is driven by pride. That pride is the seed. Pride is the core. Pride is that little, little egg that hatches in every single habit, every single problem that we face. The seed of it is pride. That's what the Bible teaches. So there are two basic truths about pride and humility I want to give you today, quickly. Uh, Number one, pride destroys and frustrates any relationship. Now, this is absolutely true in every case. It destroys and frustrates every relationship. Pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better is he that is uh, with a humble, humble spirit, uh, with the lowly, than to divide the spoil with the proud. Listen, uh, you, you, you can have as much money as you want. You can have as, as many experiences, great people around you. But if you got pride in you, it is going to be a problem. Someone once said, there's no problem too big to be solved, just people too prideful to solve them. Many of our problems are exacerbated by the pride in our heart. We often have no desire to even solve problems in relationships because we're too busy trying to prove that we're right than to solve the problem. We're we're too busy trying trying to maintain an image than to deal with the problem. And it's all pride. So why does pride destroy and frustrate relationships. And the answer is this. And this is why this is, this is kind of a tough. I mean, you think it's tough to listen to. Try, try standing up here and talking to everyone about their pride problem, right? But here's the problem that's ultimately behind the pride problem. It is that God resists it. Now, we read that earlier in 1 Peter 5, right? 1 Peter 5, 5, God resists the proud. Now, I used to think that it was like this. Like God resists, like he pushes against people with pride. No, no, no. God is resisting. The word resisting, we studied in our Battle Ready series. It's he's fighting, right? He's literally fighting for you and your relationships. And so he's fighting to get you away from the hold of pride. He's trying to get you out of pride and into humility because he knows that your relationships depend on it. So God hates it. He he works against it. He resists the proud. And so I'm, I'm going to quote lots of verses in Proverbs today. I'm not always going to give the reference, but they're in your notes. So just know that. But the Lord will destroy the house of the proud. And he destroys it because in, in chapter 6, he says, These six things doth the Lord hate. Now, not these six people. These six things. There are six things that God just really, really doesn't like. And the first one that's an abomination to him. A lot of people say, well, I could never come to your church because I'm an abomination. God calls me an abomination. Really? Where? No, no, no. No, look at what it says. The first thing, a proud look, a proud perspective is the first thing. Just, man, God can't stomach it. Now, listen, I can't identify with that, okay? Uh, But what I can identify with is that growing up, 
I was forced to eat. Now, I'm just, confession's good for the soul, right? I was forced to eat liver and onions. Now, if you like liver and onions, God bless your wretched soul. But I can't handle it. I can't handle the smell. In fact, I, you know, I would not feed this to my dog, Kobe, even if he wanted to eat it. I just couldn't do it. I, 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 I'm telling you, liver and onions and me, we, they don't sit well. I just can't, I can't stomach it. Now, as repulsive as this is, I could be in a desert starving to death and you'd put that in front of me and I guarantee I'd say, hard pass, right? That's how God is about our pride. Every time we well up with pride to say that I deserve or I'm enough or I don't need to answer to anyone or, or, or maybe you're sitting here or watching this later and you're like, I don't even hear, hear, hear this. Like, this is not, this is, this is a downer, man. Well, listen, pride and arrogancy, God hates. And he hates it. Why? Because letter A, pride grabs God's glory for personal gain. He, it grabs God's glory. It, it says, hey, that glory is mine. <laughs> and the crazy thing about glory is it tastes so good coming in and it always makes you sick. Have you, ever, have you ever had something and you got food poisoning? Tasted great going down. You're like, that was not great. That, there was something in that that was poisonous to me. And you say, wait a second, grabbing God glory, what about my glory? This is hard for me to say because it sounds like so like in your face, but I don't have any glory. You don't have any glory. All have sinned, Romans 3.23 says, and have come short of the glory of God. Literally, we're without glory. You say, well, well, no, I mean, I have some good things. Everything good about us, God has given to us as a gift of grace. Now, let me prove to you that glory is all God's. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine, God, you, this is yours, is not a kingdom, the kingdom. Not a power, but the power. And what's the last thing? Yours is the glory. Yours is the glory. Literally, the very last thing that's said in the Lord's Prayer is, hey, and by the way, God, I don't have any glory. It's all yours. Now, the reason that's so important is because every single day of my life, I'm constantly grabbing for glory that belongs to God. Pride fights for the role and position that only God can fill. And there's two roles that are mentioned in Proverbs that only God can fill. Number one, he, only he can judge what's right and wrong. By the way, has anyone tried to judge you for your right and wrong before? Okay, now that's God's job. Okay, and then number two, he's the definer of good and evil. Someone say, well, that's not good. Well, where does it say in the Bible? Right, because God's the definer of good and evil. Only my creator can define me, right? And so we see that, that God is defining good and evil as humility being good and pride as being evil. And what does this look like? Well, before destruction, the heart is haughty or prideful. But before honor is humility. We want honor. We want praise. But ultimately, we need to humble ourselves, recognize we don't deserve it, and then that's when God says, okay, hey, I'll get, if you're willing to give it back to me, I'll pour it all over you. And so when pride cometh, 
then cometh shame. So it's kind of this backwards kingdom that, that Jesus lived out. And in uh, Philippians 2, he, 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 he says that he, he made himself of no reputation, but took on him a form of a servant. And, and, and he came to be a form of servant because he wanted to show that, listen, the way up is down. The, w- the way to greater honor, to greater uh, wisdom, the greater uh, uh, access to his power is through his grace, through humbling ourselves. So when pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. God is allowing us to be reflectors of his glory and, and letting us know in Scripture that any glory that we keep for ourselves will make us sick with our own guilt and our shame. So what do we do? Well, David said in Psalm 29, he said, I will praise the name of God with a song and I will magnify with thanksgiving. Well, why, David? Why magnify with thanksgiving? Because, verse 32, the humble shall see this and be glad and your heart shall live that seek the Lord. Listen, my heart cannot live the way that I want it to unless I'm seeking the Lord. Now, I can seek whatever I want, But ultimately, it's a very, very tough thing to live with your own set of rules. And that's why the psalmist said, hey, listen, I will praise the name of the Lord. I will magnify him. He says, give unto the Lord what the glory that is due unto his name. Give unto the Lord the glory that is due unto his name. Listen, there is glory that's due unto his name. And when we pray and praise him, we are ultimately living a life of surrender to him. And so here's a key thought. Prayer and praise is the only way past pride. That's the only way. Uh, you, you can tell me another one from Scripture, man, I'd love to hear it, but I, the only thing I see in Scripture is that prayer and praise is the only way past pride. Let's say that together. Prayer and praise is the only way past pride. There's really no other way around it. So I would encourage you in your uh, small groups or maybe even in your family or, 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 or in the uh, Bible meditation groups, if you're uh, texting back and forth with someone, I would encourage you to the next seven days, one a day, uh, send some praises uh, with your Bible meditation group because uh, the more we're praising, the more we're humbling ourselves before him uh, and, and we're releasing the pride that is so damaging to our relationships. So pride grabs the glory that for personal gain. But then letter B, pride is an overpowering trust in God. It's really an overpowering trust in self, not in God. Now, you know, we'll study some of this tonight, but, but in Isaiah 14, Satan on his way out of heaven said, I will be like the most high. He said, I'm going to ascend. I'll do this on my own. And really what he said is what our pride says every day. What my pride says every day. I am enough. I deserve, right? And I only need to answer to me. I don't have to answer to God or anyone else. I want to answer to me. And so, Really, pride is a boast against God. That's really what it is. When we say that pride is trusting self, it's because it's a boast against God. Because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. They trust into it, and they're safe. The rich man's wealth is a strong city. 
as a high wall in his own conceit. His own pride is in, is in you know, recognizing that his resources are his and, and, and they came from him and, 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 and his gifts, but not recognizing that God is the one that was the giver of those resources. And many times those good gifts, those resources are the very things from God that keeps us uh, from closeness with God if we're not careful. That's why it says in 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14, it ties humility to prayer. And it says that if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. It, there's a humility that needs to come uh, when, we, when we come to God and we say, hey, listen, everything I have is more than I deserve. Let me say that again. Everything I have is more than I deserve, and I am thankful and I am needful of your help in my life. And so here's a key thought that every day without prayer is a prideful boast against God. It's a prideful boast against God. And so pride is a boast against God, but I want you to see also that pride is uh, blind to its own weakness. Now, Obadiah 3.3 says, The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. All of us are deceived by our own pride, and I've said this before, but pride blinds us to what binds us. We are, we, our pride is, is, is blocking our view uh, from what is really damaging to our relationships. We don't see our own pride. That's why a message like this is so needful for myself and for all of us to say, hey, wait a second, I, I think we might have something that we didn't see coming, but it, it's here. Like, for instance, I was sent a video uh, a while ago of a reporter who was covering a, a baseball game in Milwaukee, and this happened. Down three to nothing as we head to the top of the third inning. Mike Fire is hoping to enjoy some of the same defense that Marco Estrada saw last night. The Brewers came up with a hand of great. Yeah, the Brewers. Yeah, so she did not see that one coming, and that could have been way, way worse. How many of you know that could have been way, way worse? Pride is is just lingering in our blind spots until someone transgresses something that we thought should have happened or someone disappoints us or something happens to where it, it, it just, it throws a match on the tank of the fuel tank of pride. And ultimately what pride does is doesn't just turn ourselves against each other. It doesn't just turn us against each other. It actually turns us against God. That's why it's so dangerous. And so he that is of a prideful heart stirreth up strife. It's, he stirs up strife. He's, he's, he's so conflicted inside himself because of pride he doesn't realize it. And now he's conflicted with everyone else. It's, it, it turns you against God and it turns you against others. That's why Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride cometh contention. There is no other reason to be fighting other than pride. Pride brings contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. So God gives this wisdom. Now, in L.A. County, I cannot tell you what better memory verse than Proverbs 21, 23. It's in your notes. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Man, mark that down. Put it on your dashboard. I'll tell you, I pulled into a parking lot this last week, and, and uh, I, was, I was getting out of my car. I had no idea someone else was pulling in. And my door, as I opened up, I didn't realize, my door hit his mirror. 
Now, it didn't hit it hard, didn't make a mark, but you would have thought it would have taken a sledgehammer to his car. I mean, he was, it was a beat up old truck, you know, and I had a truck and I'm like, oh man, I'm so sorry. He did not want to hear it. He was, oh, I cannot believe you. Watch where you're going. And, and it, what, what, what happened there? I just, I just stepped into a line, a landmine, and ultimately it was pride. Man, I was, I'm so sorry. I'm trying, I'm trying to pacify. There was no pacifying. Why? Because pride says, I deserve, and you wronged me, and I am, I am angry with you because of it, and I'm going to make you pay because of what you've done to me. And so Proverbs 29, 22 says, an angry man or an angry woman stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. So pride says, someone else needs to change before I'm gonna change. Pride says, someone else needs to apologize before I apologize. Pride says, it's not me. I'm not going to own my stuff. But ultimately, can I just, if this, if this action item is just for me, just let me say it just for me, okay? Because maybe I'm the only one that needs to hear this. But instead of, I'm sorry, but, or <laughs> this is the classic, I'm sorry you feel that way, right? <laughs> just own what you did wrong. And may I own what I did wrong. Because most of the time when I'm, when I'm having a, discussion <laughs> with Danielle about something we don't see eye to eye on, which happens, most of the time, it's me not wanting to own where I'm wrong. And when one person just humbles, hey, listen, I was wrong. I said it wrong, and I shouldn't have gone there, and that was wrong. The moment humility starts flowing, everything starts connecting, and God starts to use humility. Why? Because he gives grace to the, to the humble. So, he that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. That's Proverbs 28, 50, uh, 25. But then the rest of the verse, you may see it in your notes. This is, this is a great verse. But he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. And you're like, I do not want that verse, okay? Hey, listen, I'm trying to lose it, not gain it. No, 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 this isn't talking about calories here. I mean, you're talking about make it fat. What does it mean, made fat? Well, in this, in this time period, okay, 3,000 years ago, they were, they were actually, they would use the word fat, deshin, uh, as a, a, a person who was prosperous. You're full. Listen, you, 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 you are anointed. You are blessed. You have found favor. You are acceptable. That's what they were using it for. You're like, yeah, phew, I'm pretty favored. Yeah, okay, well, let's, let's go back to the, to the spiritual definition and say, God favors and blesses with his grace those that are willing to trust him enough to just forsake their pride and say, God, I mean, I feel like I'm getting walked over here, but I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to stand up for what I believe in, but I'm not going to let my pride destroy and frustrate this relationship. Number two, I want you to see that humility restores and refreshes any relationship. It, it refreshes it. Honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Letter A, humility pursues God's presence by humility and the fear of the Lord. That's practicing the presence of God. Did you know when we quote the verse where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst? That's God literally saying, hey, listen, in conflict, the context is conflict. In conflict, the one reason to get it right is because I'm standing right next to you. I'm there. When you're arguing with that other person, I am there. My presence is there. Remember that. 
And so here's a key thought. Humility will not allow the blessings of God to keep us from the presence of God. I'm not gonna forsake God's presence because he's blessed me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna seek God's presence because he's blessed me. And so I would encourage you to schedule the time each day for silence and confession and gratitude and prayer, Bible meditation. All of those things are present in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. To humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways and we'll hear from heaven, he'll forgive our sin and he'll heal our land. We all want healing, but we don't, all want to do some revealing that takes that it takes to have the healing. And so humility pursues the presence of God. And then finally, I want you to see that humility acknowledges the power of God. Humility acknowledges the power of God. Humble yourselves, 1 Peter 5, 6 says, therefore under the mighty hand of God, and he shall exalt you in due time. So as we said at the beginning of the service, God's power doesn't change when we exalt him, when we, when we humble ourselves and, and, and praise him and thank him and ask him for his help, God doesn't change. God doesn't get bigger, but our perspective of him changes. And so here's a key thought. God gives his power to those who admit they need it, that ultimately they need it. Now I'm going to ask Isaac to bring, to, to take this down and, and, and give me this. Uh, give me, yeah, we'll, we'll start with the coat. And I want to illustrate the last part of the passage that we, we read, and then we're finished. And that is, in your notes, there's a, there's a, there's, I want you to look at 1 Peter, because it says to be clothed with humility, to, to put on humility, right? And then he says he gives grace, or he gives power to the humble. Now, why does he need to give power to the humble? Why does he need to give empowerment? The word grace means undeserved, but it also means a divine enablement. Why does he enable the humble? Why are the humble people the ones that get enabled? Well, they're enabled to do what's in the next verse. They're enabled to receive God's power, right? What's, what's verse six say? Uh, you know, th- that you'll be exalted in due time. Exalted to do what? Lifted up to do what? Verse 7, you have to keep going because he keeps talking about power, power. And in verse 7, he says that, that you can cast your cares upon him for he careth for you. Cast your cares upon him for he careth for you. So wait a second. We're clothed with humility so that we are having the power to be able to give him back the problems that we don't have the power to carry. Now, let me encourage you. The word cares means anxiety. Anxiety is just ripping through our world like nothing before, like no other time before. We're anxious about everything. And this verse, in, in, if you guys can find it, in, in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says that we can cast our anxieties, our burdens, onto God because he cares about our burdens. Can I submit to you today that God cares about your burden? But it is pride that says, I can carry it. It's pride that says, I got this. And I've said that so many times. And can I tell you just in in a moment of transparency, listen, this is a very, very hard thing. This is not something, you know, yeah, yeah, just cast them. No, the problem is I cast them and then I pick them right back up. And so casting literally means over and over and over again. Even if you have to do it a thousand times a day, you're casting your cares upon him. So, so that's for anxiety, but wait a second. What about, what about other cares? Like some cares aren't anxieties. It's like depression, like discouragement. 
I don't know if you've ever been really discouraged, but I have before. That crushing weight of a burden. Just discouraged and disappointment and disillusion. And, and ultimately, like, like David talks about in Psalm 42, like waves on waves of despair. And in Isaiah, I, wanna, I want you to put up a verse from Isaiah. Isaiah 63, 61-3, uh, it literally says, that there's a garment of praise that's given for the spirit of heaviness. Meaning, when we're clothed with praise, not only is it humility, but we're clothed with praise in order to release the spirit of heaviness. That if I'm going to keep off the spirit of praise, or the, the, the clothing of praise, if I'm not going to praise God, I'm lifted up with pride. I no longer have his power to be able to cast my burdens on him. And I, I'm burdened. I'm clothed, literally. It's, it's, the, the, the reverse of this is the garment of pride. It invites the spirit of heaviness, the spirit of depression. And so I want to help you to understand this, that humility is the key that unlocks the door to every little situation that you're facing right now. And you cannot handle or have humility. You cannot handle your pride or have humility without the garment of praise. Praise and prayer unlock the door into our relationship with God and our relationship with others in order to have humility. Now, let me get really practical, okay? Without praising your spouse, you're too pride to have that relationship worth work. That's where rubber meets the road. Without praising your God, you're not going to feel close to him. The garment of praise is the key to living in and putting on humility. Be clothed with humility. And so if we're not willing to pray, really what we're saying is, God, I don't need you. Now you're like, well, I would never say that, but that's what our, you know what I mean? That's what, that's what the subconscious is communicating. Like, ah, I don't know if I need you. We all need him. And in order to tell him that we need him, we put on humility by wearing the garment of praise. Let's pray. God, actually, before we pray, some, some OCD people are gonna be like, he didn't even give the takeaway. Let me give you the takeaway, all right? Here we go, here we go. We'll pray after I give the takeaway. I wanna, I wanna be, wanna, we'll end here. Pride will always demolish and discourage but humility will repair and energize any relationship. Any relationship can be energized and repaired through humility. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.